0: Bada bing, bada boom.
1: That's too much. That's too intimate. <laughs> Welcome to this week's mini sode. Is it gonna be a mini sode? You'll just have to find out. Now, after Wednesday's really thickums episode, did you think that I was gonna come back with another serial killer series? No, you didn't, but uh, neither did I, but that's what's happening today. We're talking about Sacramento's kind of creepy serial killer. Is this is this my uh, second female serial killer mini sode? Yes, it is. Sacramento, California. A woman walks into the police station, her name is Judy. And her occupation is a social worker. This is really important. And she comes with this really intense story. She says, I have a friend. I have a friend named Bert Montoya, and he is missing. Now, here's the catch. I know exactly where he is. I know what's happened to him. And I need you guys, the officers, to come with me and bring some shovels. The police are like, okay, lady, this is this is an odd story. You need to give us more information. We can't just go around knocking around people's doors, go into the local parks with, a, with shovels. So she sits down and she tells them one of the wildest stories ever. So Judy, she tells them that she met this man by the name of Bert Montoya. He is in his mid-50s and he actually has a mental disability. And the way that they met is interesting. So she would frequent a place called the Detox Center, which essentially is like this shelter for homeless people who are also struggling with addiction. It's not a glamorous place. It is not a place where you're going to get like this nice full-size bed and people are going to come in and be like, do you want an IV drip? No, it's a place with like a giant concrete floor where they give you these, um not even a fold-up mattress or an air mattress, but you know, those vinyl sheets, like almost like a plastic tarp. They give you one of those, they give you a blanket and you just lay next to each other and you Sleeps. You got a roof over your head for the night. And he has a mental disability. I could not find his actual diagnosis, but many people report him to have you know, the kind of cognitive ability of a 10 or 12 year old. That is what a lot of sources say. So he would wander around the streets a lot. He would talk to trees. It seemed that Spanish was his main language and he wasn't really entertaining the idea of talking to people. If someone asked him a question, he would just say like, yeah or no. And that's it. He would also be constantly seen talking to um, someone that we can't see imaginary voices, right? Voices inside of his head. And people would say, oh, well, who are you talking to? And he would say, well, I'm talking to these spirits. And then he would just kind of walk away. So Judy, she meets him and she's like, well, this guy, he just something about him. Even though he's in his 50s, there's something so vulnerable about him. It's so hard not to like him. He seems almost too nice for his own good. Like if you were to go to the detox center and you just look at him and his mattress that he was handed out to looks better than yours, he will swap it with you. Like that's the type of guy Bert was. So she immediately takes a liking to him and she's a volunteer there. So she starts kind of like trailing him, not in a creepy way. And she sees him again in front of a graveyard. So she's like, okay, like, what are you doing inside of this graveyard? And he's having a verbal argument with nothing. So she's like, um, Bert, what's going on? And he says, well, all these demons in the graveyard are talking to me, so I don't know what to do so she starts befriending him and she's trying to tell him it's okay it's okay like we can we can maybe get you to a doctor we can maybe do this but it didn't seem like anything was going through like nothing was penetrating weeks go by and Judy's like okay I can't do this anymore like I can't see Bert just on the side going through this mess like every time he's at the detox center he's getting taken advantage of I just feel nervous about him you know Mm -hmm. and he should be on disability checks and maybe the government can pay for some sort of housing this is crazy so she starts talking to her other social Social worker volunteer buddies and they decide okay why don't you find a boarding house for him so essentially what these boarding houses do is they take people from the government uh, that sounds like a kidnapping scheme. So they will house people that the government has deemed like um, that they need help and assistance with taking their medication. So the government is like, oh, this person maybe doesn't have a place to stay or this person can't stay by themselves because they are not taking their medications on a daily basis. So think like Alzheimer's, like these types of things where you need to take your medication. And so they decided we're going to put Bart in a boarding house. So she starts scouting all of these boarding houses. Finally, she settles on one on F Street literally called Ev Street. So she's like, okay, well, I've heard good things about this place. The woman who runs it, her name is Dorothea Puente, and she seems like this cute little grandma. That's how everyone describes her. She's got this white hair, and she's got these big old owl-looking glasses. Just massive. Her teeth have all fallen out, so she wears these dentures. If you see her in the morning, she'll be gardening. She's got this really intense passion for gardening. (laughs) She will have her hair in the rollers, just like the sweetest lady in town. She gave people a place to sleep. She would cook food every single day for her borders i mean she just seemed super caring someone who cares about the most vulnerable population judy is like well let me go to f street let me go meet dorothea and see if she wants to take on bert because we've just got him applied for social security we've just got him applied for disability because bert was at a state where he didn't really remember anything like he didn't have an id he didn't have any of this so he wasn't getting assistance from the government which he should have been so they go and they meet with they meet with dorothea and instantly, it was like sparks were flying. Dorothea was just like the sweetest little lady ever. She opened the door. She's got her little hair and curlers. And she's like, come in, come in. Now, once they get in... Judy feels good about this. I mean, the whole house, there's, there's like knickknacks everywhere. It's almost got um, like a Mexican traditional cultural knickknacks. Do you know what I mean? Like every culture has one. If you go into my grandma's house, you're like, oh, man, this woman's Korean AF, right? Like that type of vibe. Mm-hmm. And she's like, wow, it just feels so homey in here. What, what, oh, Dorothea, what, what is that smell? And she's like, well, follow me into the kitchen. And she's flipping these burgers, which is crazy judy was like i've never seen this before boarding houses will usually take all the government money and feed mac and cheese all day like boxed mac and cheese but she's making like half pound burger patties right now not even a quarter pounder like a half pound burger patty and she's like so i just cut all this lettuce Oh, these tomatoes are from my little garden like she's just like a perfect woman
0: does she have any is she housing anyone else right now yeah
1: about eight different people
0: They're currently residing.
1: Yeah, and so they're, like, in and out of the house. Now, she has a mix of different people. So she has, like, the sick and elderly, but she also has the groups of, um, like, people that kind of move around a lot. Like, men who are on government assistance, but they're also stuff that they're struggling with, whether it's alcohol or drugs, right? So they'll be kind of in and out of her place. But she had about eight people, and they all seem to like it there and Bert. Bart seemed really happy because Bart was only speaking like little bits of English, even though he was fluent. And Dorothea, she spoke Spanish. So they start speaking in Spanish together. And she (laughs) almost instantly takes on this like mothering vibe of like, no, oh, Bart, don't do that. Let me. okay, take your hand out of there. She just seemed really caring. So Judy and Bert, they're enjoying this experience and eventually they leave and Judy's like, "Okay, I think this is good. But Bert, you should really think about it. We can always go look at all these other boarding houses and then make a decision. But he was all about it. He was like, no, I'm going to stay here. Dorothy is amazing. So he starts staying there and he gets his own little room, which these rooms are very interesting. So it has like a bed and a TV, but it's clean. Right. And for someone who is sleeping in this giant room with like 50 other dudes on like a vinyl piece of paper as a mattress. This is this is a luxury. So he's having a good time. Now, the next time Judy visits, he's got a new haircut. He's got new clothes, new shoes, and he's talking to her. She was shocked. Like at this point, after weeks of knowing him, they had not exchanged a conversation. It was just like, yep, nope, that's it. So she would do all of the talking. But this time he was like, oh, how are you feeling? I heard you were a little sick. She's like, wait a minute, what is happening? And it just seemed like mentally, physically, emotionally, everything was getting amazing. So months go by, and then all of a sudden, Bert tells Judy that he doesn't want to be there anymore out of nowhere. He just says, I don't want to stay here anymore. And it seems so sudden. So Judy reaches out to Dorothea and is like, hey, what's going on? Is everything okay with Bert? Like, is he taking his medication still? And she says, oh, yeah, don't worry about it. I actually have plans to take him to Mexico. Wait, what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So my my grandparents, you know, I have some relatives that are doctors because I come from a family of doctors and people in the medicinal field. Did you know that I was a nurse in World War Two? Anyways, that's besides the point. So Dorothy is like seventy years old, by the way, like straight up grandma. Okay, and so she's like, yeah, I'm gonna take him to Mexico and we're gonna fix him in Mexico.
0: Fix him.
1: Yeah. And Judy's like, no, because I think he had like a remnants of tuberculosis. So Mm -hmm. Judy's like, um, I don't think that's a good idea. Like, he's just getting his disability checks. I just I just don't think that's safe. And I mean, for how many weeks I can't even imagine Bert being comfortable with that. Like, did you talk to Bert about it? And so she was like, well, don't worry about it. And just hangs up. And Judy's like, what? What does what what does that even mean? So then the next couple of months pass, and she cannot get in contact with Bert and she's getting confused. Like, did he just like stay in Mexico? That doesn't make any sense. And so she keeps calling Dorothea nonstop. Like, where's Bert? I want to talk to Bert.
0: But Dorothea is picking up.
1: Yeah. And she's making all these excuses. No, we didn't go to Mexico. No, he's just out for the day. Oh, he must have gone to church. Like it's just random stuff. So Judy finally tells her if he's not there next Monday, when I get there, I'm going to call the police. So then Monday rolls around. She's putting on her clothes. She's getting ready to storm into Dorothea's little place. And then she gets a phone call. A man calls Judy saying, hey, this is Bert's uncle and I picked him up. He's not going to be living at that boarding house anymore. He's going to be living with me. And she's like, what? Like, who even are you? I've never heard of you. Mm-hmm. I mean, this doesn't even make any sense. Bert has never mentioned an uncle. Where were you all this time? Like, and then the same day that I threatened to call the police, you like randomly call me. And she's like just really put off by this. So they hang up the phone and she immediately goes to the police station and files a missing persons report. And she's, she's telling them this whole story. Now, the police, they decide to go look in the boarding house and they start interviewing all of the tenants. And sure enough, all of them confirm Oh, yeah, Bert. On Sunday, I think like his uncle or something came and picked him up. Hmm. So the police are like, damn, I mean, he's a full grown man. Technically, Dorothea isn't like legally liable for him. So, I mean, if they say that he was picked up. okay. so that officer is on his way out when he gets a tap on the shoulder. And one of the tenants by the name of John Sharp sneaks him a note. And then runs back into the house. He opens up that note and it was a secret arrangement to meet later that day away from the house. And then one sentence, she's making me lie.
0: Damn. So the
1: officer's like, all right, that's really creepy. That's really strange. So they um they meet later in that day and John Sharp tells him everything. This is a tenant and he is one of the tenants that Judy had actually recommended the police talk to. She said John Sharp is, you know, someone who's around. He's been there for a minute. He is almost always sober. So technically, in the eyes of the law, he would be an amazing witness. So you should talk to him. So this is the same person that the officer meets up with outside of Dorothea's house. And he starts telling him everything before Bert disappeared. By the way, I haven't seen him in months. So they're like, what? You just said last Sunday, like literally a couple days ago that he was picked up by the relative. That's all a lie. I have not seen Bert in months. Before he disappeared, Dorothea and Bert were having problems. She was constantly yelling at him. One time he locked himself in the bathroom and he kept calling the postal service asking them, hey, why am I not getting my disability checks? And they kept telling him, no, you should have gotten this mail arrived at this day. And he was like getting upset because he then now he's like assuming that Dorothea is like stealing his checks, but then nobody. Could even understand what was happening because Dorothea the whole time is screaming in the background while he's on the phone with the postal workers so that happens and then one night Bert comes home from the bar now he was confused because Bert was acting like he was drugged like there was just something so strange about the way that Bert was walking the way that he was I mean he's never seen Bert like this before now during his time there what's even more suspicious is that John Sharp says in the middle of the night he would hear some weird noises Some banging noises. So he had the room right underneath the stairs, like Harry Potter. And he would just hear, thump, 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 thump. As if you're just like dragging a suitcase down the stairs in the middle of the night. Then the next morning, there would be a fresh hole in the yard.
0: Oh my God.
1: And a tenant would have moved out. And when you ask Dorothy about that tenant, oh, a relative came and picked them up. Sometimes Dorothea would hire people to dig holes for different quote unquote garden projects. But he never Wait, so saw so this happens tree.
0: multiple times?
1: Multiple times. And he said, he started kind of putting two and two together. He doesn't know what to do. He doesn't know if he should accuse someone because that's a really big accusation. Imagine pointing your finger at this old, cute little lady and saying, you, you are burying people in your garden, aren't you? What's under that rose bush, you crazy lady? Like, that sounds like a really big accusation, you know? Mm-hmm. I would want some CCTV footage to back that claim up. And so he said, you know, she would always be doing these different garden projects, but I would never see a new tree. I would never see a new rose bush, I mean something's weird. So the officer's confused by this. He's like, okay, like really though? You you genuinely think that this cute little old 70 year old grandma is killing people? It sounds crazy. So the next day the police show up, they knock on the door again and she opens it up and they say, Hey, we have this problem. Judy's breathing down our neck. You know, she's she just won't leave us alone. She's like a Karen at the police station right now. Why don't we just look around your house? Looky Lou. And then we can just tell Judy, yeah, we searched her house. There's nothing to worry about. And so door, Dorothea's like, oh, yeah, of course. I mean, I get it. She just cares a lot. So they start looking around the house. They go to the second floor. Now, this is where Dorothea's bedroom is. They see a dresser full of these blue pills all the way to the top. It just didn't seem like she was taking it. It just seemed weird. So they note that. And then they see another sleeping pill bottle. But this time, instead of Dorothea Puente's name, it says Dorothea Miller. So they're like, who's Dorothea Miller? Is that that another name you're going by? Is that your maiden name? And she says, no, 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 no. She's a relative. She used to stay here. But now she's gone. So they're like, okay, that's odd. So they finish searching the rooms. And they don't really find anything. They don't find Bert. They don't find tons of, you know, blood. They don't find any, like, any crazy tools that would indicate that he's murdered. So right as they're about to leave, the officer turns around and says, hey, I have a weird question. Do you mind if I, um dig in your yard what so he said you know it's just something that i feel like i need to do i brought a shovel it was it's in my car we can just go grab it
0: wait is this police here after the story yeah
1: so remember judy kept saying you got it you got to bring a shovel right the reason that she kept saying that is she's been there multiple times and there would just be mounds of dirt she's digging holes in her backyard who does that like why are there mounds of dirt why is this the pig farm that doesn't make any sense you live in sacramento in a very busy area why are you doing so many diy projects and so she's like yeah sure go ahead dig in my yard she even offered them another shovel because she was like well you only have one shovel for two men that doesn't make sense here's another one so they bring their shovels out to the back and they just start digging in the garden area, like right underneath her avocado tree, her rose bushes, just start digging. Now, this is the part where you're going to get really frustrated with the police because like, what? Absolutely. What are you thinking, sir? Um, they start digging and they see they see cloth material. They start picking it out. They're like, what is this? It looks like clothing. They start picking out some more. And then they find what they describe to be thin pieces of leather. They assumed that someone had cut up a leather jacket and buried it. Now, what? Why would anyone do that? No one would do that. Later, it would be tested positively for flesh, for human flesh. But they were like, ooh, leather jacket, must be some clothing. Like, imagine you're just like sitting there as a police officer thinking that this is a leather jacket.
0: They dig up human. But they thought it was
1: leather. Because uh, wh- it had like Dried up And it wasn't like Big pieces It was like Very tiny pieces But I don't know Why in their head They were like A leather jacket Like strips of leather To me that doesn't sound Especially you know Why you're digging In the first place Yeah But you're like You're like no It's a Maybe leather jacket they're jack. just
0: Noobs that never seeing any
1: They don't listen To true crime podcasts <laughs> These police officers Sometimes I genuinely Believe that some Police officers Should listen To more true crime podcasts Yeah <laughs> just,
0: I think so too I think
1: so You know I'm them. like
0: <laughs> like, are they dumb? Like-
1: <laughs> that one police officer listening to this right now, angry. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> okay, but yeah, he was like, "No, it's a, it's a leather jacket." It gets worse. So as they're digging, they hit something really hard and the police officer just assumes that it was a tree root because a couple feet away from them there's this huge avocado tree which if you guys don't know avocado trees have pretty thick roots so they're thinking okay must be a root let's just start aggressively shoveling aggressively banging at this root (laughs) their idea they said their game plan I'm laughing because of how freaking ridiculous this is okay try they said okay let's try to cut the root in half that was their thought.
0: So they're like chomping on it. They're
1: like, we need to cut the root in half because like we need to go deeper because we're looking for a human body. But we found a leather jacket. It's weird, okay? They're like saying, I don't know what's right oh
0: in their Oh my head. God. So they try
1: to cut the root in half with their shovels. It doesn't work. So the main officer, he, he tries to dig it out. He like goes in there all hands in and he starts pulling and pulling and pulling. And finally it pulls out and he plops down onto his butt And he looks at it, and it is not, yeah, you guessed it. It's not an avocado tree root, but in fact, it's a femur bone, a human femur bone. So he's like, um...
0: Now he knows. Now he knows. Okay. Thank God.
1: Now, he knew immediately that this wasn't Bert, though, because Bert has only been missing for, let's say, three months, right? This this was skeletal remains. There was not flesh on there. The leather pieces were flesh that had somehow fallen off the body and then decomposed separately. But, I mean, this is strange. Nobody else was reported missing from the same house that showed up on their feed, you know? None of that. Who is this? So they knock on the door, and Dorothea comes out, and she looks so shocked. She's like, oh, my God, is that what I think it is?" that's crazy they're like do you want to explain this she's like no 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 way that's human if that's human i don't know anything about it you know there are other people that live here you would have to ask them now the police have to go along with this because the house has been around since 1898 like this is an old house this is like in sacramento there's a lot of history there right and people actually used to just bury their loved ones in the backyard In like the 1800s, they wouldn't like get a coffin. They wouldn't go to like an actual graveyard. They would just kind of bury their loved ones. So not only can they not accuse Dorothea, but they can't even necessarily assume that this is a homicide victim in the backyard.
0: Mm. Like it
1: could have definitely just been a loved one of someone who lived here in like the, I don't know, early 1900s. So they brought in experts, but they can't arrest Dorothea. They can't arrest her. So they just ask her politely, can you come into the police station? Because we we just want to ask you like for a statement. So she comes in and this entire interview was recorded and it's weird. It's weird. So first she lies about her name. They're like, well, your name is Dorothea Puente. And she says, yeah, yeah. Well, my birth name is Dorothea Montalvo. But that's a lie. Like all of this is a lie. And the police know that. I don't know. She was born Dorothea Gray. She married a Montalvo Wait, her and she married name a is, Puente. Oh, okay. So her real name is Dorothea Gray. But I mean, legally, she kept getting married to a bunch of different people. So she kept changing her name. But she kept saying, no, it's either Montalvo or Puente. Like she never mentioned the fact that her name was Dorothea Gray, which, by the way, I don't know her exact heritage, but she doesn't look Hispanic. But she swore up and down that she was born in Mexico. But when you look at her birth certificate, she wasn't born in Mexico. So I don't know what's going on over there. Where was she born? She was born in like Washington or something. Ah. But she was like, yep, Mexico, it's only like the other side of the North American continent. She tried to build rapport with the police officer because his last name was Hispanic. So she was like, oh, my God, (laughs) are you Mexican? I'm Mexican. And he was just like, "Okay, what what are you even talking about? So he ignores that records show that she's only 59 years old only 59 years old. But she went around telling all of her friends and all of her neighbors told the police that she's in her 70s at the very least. So this is all getting so strange. So they start questioning her and she's just so calm in all of this. She denied knowing anything about Bert, anything about the remains in the backyard. Didn't even seem nervous. I mean, a crazy good liar. They kept threatening her. They said, I'm going to dig some more and I'm sure as hell going to dig up some more bodies. Am I not, Dorothea? Am I not? And she just said, well, I don't know. I don't know what you're talking about. Not once did she hesitate. She stuck to her story. She didn't even break a sweat. It was crazy. It was crazy. So her main thing that she kept telling them is that there is no way that I could drag out Bert into my garden. I mean, he's like, what, 200 pounds? Look at me. I'm a grandma. I'm tiny. Like, I'm like 70 years old. Dorothea, shut up. You're 59. We have your records. But she's like, look at me. I'm so old and frail. I don't even have teeth. I can't even mash my own potatoes in my mouth. Like, she was just doing the absolute most. And she kept saying, I believe in God. I know he's going to show up. Just super stubborn. They're like, what? What do you mean? And she just kept saying, no, he's going to show up. You can't just like say that at the police station. No, no, no he is. I believe in God and he's going to show up. Now, the police were intensely confused about this because other people that they had interviewed with this type of level of just stress, high tension, nonstop accusations. They were usually in tears, just bawling their eyes out. There would be hardened criminals like, you know, the ones that are all tatted up. that are like, I'm not scared of anybody. Get out of here. They would be crying in the interrogation room. Dorothea is straight chilling and so the press they get wind of this that there has been a body dug out out of this grandma's garden and they start freaking out and Dorothea it turned out that she was actually on parole when this was all this was all happening she was on parole she was actually legally prohibited from running any type of boarding house but social workers over the years had sent close to 19 people to her door so now it's like a question of what's going on with these social workers why are they sending her people
0: Or why is she on probation?
1: Oh, it gets worse. So she was on probation for um, poisoning elderly people, essentially. I'm not laughing. Well, that's some heavy, (laughs) heavy clue,
0: isn't (laughs) it? Yeah,
1: I not laughing at what happened but i'm laughing because like what like imagine being a journalist and be like well what is she on probation for and it's like oh poisoning elderly people so what does she do now oh she runs a boarding house for elderly people <laughs> like what is happening so in the city there was a loophole to open a boarding home you only need a business license no background check no fingerprinting or regulation so she got a license to run a boarding house without anyone knowing that she wasn't allowed because uh-huh. she was on parole she was actually visited by parole officers at that exact address and nobody asked hey uh who are these people nobody asked that they just they just were like oh maybe they're friends and then oh they would leave. God. This went on for years and she was running a boarding house where people would go missing. So the next day the police show up and they continue to dig. Now, meanwhile, like I said, Dorothea has not been arrested, so she's chilling inside her house. She like got ready for the day. She's drinking some. It's said that she drank vodka and orange juice the same morning that all of these police officers are digging up her lawn, like just having a casual day. So when they get to a specific part in the backyard with newly laid cement in it and they start digging, John Macaulay comes out. Now, this is Dorothea's friend and also a fellow tenant. Uh-huh. He's very interesting because he lives on the second floor with her, which none of the other tenants have been allowed to do. So it seems like maybe they are really close or maybe they're I even dating.
0: he lives under the...
1: That's a different John.
0: Oh, There's two Johns. Okay, okay, yeah. my bad. So
1: we'll just call him... The friend, right? So the friend comes out and he's watching them while they're digging up the backyard, which again, I mean, I guess he's permitted to do that. So he's standing there just watching them like as if he's watching gardeners like do work in the backyard, just chilling. And then all of a sudden he says, oh wait, Dorothea wants to ask you a question. You guys have to come back in. And she says this to the main officer. So if he leaves, then the whole digging stops for a little bit, right? Oh,
0: John says that? Yeah.
1: He just like taps him all of a sudden out of nowhere and says, Dorothea needs you. So he goes into the house and she he sits down with Dorothea and she's like, hey, um, am I arrested? No, Dorothea, you haven't been arrested. You, you wouldn't be here if you've been arrested. Why? What's wrong? And she says, well, all of this, you know, nonsense and the police and all the press outside is making me so nervous. Do you mind if I um, just walk to the hotel nearby and, and grab some coffee? she so says yeah well I mean I can walk you there it's only a couple blocks away and there's just so much press outside that I I don't think I feel good with you just walking by yourself through all of this so she's like okay that would be so great so she puts on her red dress with a red jacket with a red purse just all red with this snow white hair I mean it's just like the weirdest thing ever and she looked like she was going to Sunday church service with her little purse and she walks outside with the police officer and now the press they're snapping these pictures and everyone thought that she was being led to a secluded area it didn't look like a perp walk it didn't look like she was getting arrested it just looked like you know maybe they're taking her to the police station for safekeeping
0: so the does the press know that this was all her doing right now
1: no they just know that a body's been dug up in her yard And that she's kind of on probation, so it's all a little weird. But no one, like, even when the press saw her, they were like, ah, man, it is sketchy that she's on probation. But, like, look at her. She's like a grandma. This doesn't make sense. So he drops her off at the hotel, runs straight back to the house, and starts digging again. This has only been about 20 minutes since he had walked her to the hotel and ran back. Uh And he starts digging. And they hit something. They got another body. So now this is the second body. Before even taking off the cloth, though, they knew it wasn't Bert. It was a female. Like very small, just there's it's crazy. There's no missing reports of females at this address. This why, why are there two female bodies? Like we were expecting Bert this whole time, if anything. Uh Right. So it becomes this really hectic scene. The police come back and they're like, all right, well, we should probably arrest Dorothea. Now you've got half of the police there that are like, all right, let's go to the hotel and arrest her. And then the rest of the police, they keep digging. And sure enough, they hit another body. So this is the third body. And that is when the police come running back, freaking out saying she's not at the hotel. <laughs> I mean, are you yeah. for real? So I mean, this this is nuts. I mean, the price thought that the police were absolute idiots because how do you? And he walked her to the hotel too. like he was just yeah, so, and he just
0: left her there
1: yeah this is the same guy that thought it was a leather jacket i'm
0: confused why did he walk her there
1: because technically he felt i'm not agreeing with this he felt that they hadn't found a second body yet so Uh maybe it was just that one body and maybe the body dates back before dorothy even lived here so he just like walked her there
0: for what purpose
1: oh because the press he didn't want the press to like hound her
0: oh so he's Oh, oh, so he was shielding her.
1: Yeah, because, you know, there were so many reporters outside. He was like, you're going to get hounded, this old little lady, who's really not that old. She's like 59, calm down. But she looks 70s, purposely. That's so weird. So she gets to the hotel, and she runs away. So the police, I mean, the press are chasing the police. The police are running to the hotel, and they just look like absolute idiots. I don't know what else to say. They interview the hotel staff, and they say, Oh, yeah, the little lady with the red coat. Oh, yeah, she called a taxi service and got into a taxi (laughs) and left. So now they're like, oh my freaking God, the press are outside the hotel snapping these pictures. Even the police chief, he had to go on the stand, and this is not something that they could even, they couldn't even remotely come up with something. So they said, yeah, we let her walk away. We shouldn't have. She's a killer. There's no excuses for how this happened. Straight up, have you ever heard the police take that strong accountability for something? straight up said, yeah, what the fuck? We fucked up. I've never heard that before. (laughs) There was, like, no spinning this. You couldn't even... Can you imagine like it's just so
0: dumb, right? It, this yeah. is so freaking dumb. There's no
1: way the police could like spin it into a way that's like, "Oh, no, this was better for the investigation," you know? Like there was there was nothing. This is yeah. like our hands were tied. Like they couldn't they couldn't do anything. So, <laughs> they keep searching for her and they keep digging. Now, that third body was found with lime all over the body, which I think Dorothea thought that this was going to speed up the process, but it actually sometimes preserves the body from like decaying so much that it gets really intensely um like smelly and odorous, I guess. And it was a rather big body, the third body. I mean, a huge bundle, like seven or ten layers, shower curtains, tarp. Like this body had been wrapped diligently. And, um, you know, it seemed like this person wasn't in the ground for that long. And the weight of the person, the height, it all just kind of fit Bert. So they believe the third body was Bert. There was a plastic garbage bag over his head, which kind of comes to the question later, were some of these people buried alive. Huh. So the police, they go they go to the press, they say, Hey, so we done goofed and we need some help. If you guys see this fugitive, we think that she's headed for Mexico. <laughs> please let us know. And they let the Mexican border know. And they're like, please don't let her get into Mexico because usually once they flee to Mexico and they speak Spanish and maybe they have ties in Mexico, they're I mean, like the they, they can't spend all that money to bring in all these American cops in there and just like find this person, right? So they're like, "Um, if you guys could just let us know. So the taxi driver calls in and is like, oh yeah, I think she was headed south. I dropped her off at a train station and she was headed straight for Los Angeles, which is about like a six hour, um, is it a six hour drive? drive Right? So, like, an even shorter plane ride, but like train ride, I'm sure it's like anywhere between like five or six hours, right? So, they headed straight for Los Angeles. So, they're like, okay, well, we need to call LAPD. We need to call all these people. Meanwhile, the digging continues. So, within three days, Four bodies are uncovered, all wrapped in blankets, bedsheets, plastic, shower curtain, just all of that. Now, the crazy thing is, out of these four bodies, nobody other than Bert has ever been reported missing. So they have no idea who these people are. They have no idea. They're trying to identify the bodies. The social workers that were recommending people to this boarding house they're freaking out they're straight up calling every single person that they have ever come in contact with this because this is their biggest nightmare they're in this business to help people and they just straight up send people to their death so they start freaking out calling everyone and underneath the patio yet again they find another body so they find seven bodies in total now one of them had no hands no feet and not even a head it was decapitated and there was evidence that at least one of the victims might have been buried alive because there was evidence that it seemed like um, someone was trying to kick up to get out after oh being my buried. God! So around this time, a next door neighbor comes forward to the police and says, Hey, so I found this really suspicious box. Just like it seemed like it was thrown into my yard. I'm right next door to Dorothea, but uh, you should probably look inside. They look inside that box and it was just filled with teeth. So it seems like she had probably tossed it on her way out because she was like, oh no, maybe the teeth is going to identify them. So she like tossed it in the yard.
0: So He keeps their teeth?
1: Yeah. So, you know, the question is, who is Dorothea Helen Gray? Because now she is on the absolute loose. She's running wild in California. Where is she? Who is this serial killer? Why are there seven people buried in her backyard? So, mind you, I'm sorry. I apologize. She was actually born in Redlands, California with, she was the sixth of seven siblings. Now her parents they were super abusive they were alcoholics they did not make enough money to support the kids and they um they just were like not in a good situation so there this was one of those cases where the mom she was engaging in sex work but she would bring it home a lot of the times so she would just have these men coming in and out of the house and i mean this is not really like the most well-built house so the kids would hear things that they didn't want to hear so it was just um, really traumatic. And then the mom, she would do this thing where she would go on these crazy party bingos. She would just like leave the kids with the husband and be like, bye, I'm going to go out with the clients for the weekend and just be gone for days at a time. Now the dad, he was incredibly abusive. He wanted to do his own thing. He didn't want to look after the kids. So they came to the decision. They they compromised. You know how parents do? They like sit down, they compromise. So the compromise was that we're going to lock the kids into a confined closet because if they can run free, they might go into the kitchen and grab a kid. Get- a knife but if they're stuck and locked up in this walk-in closet then they can't hurt themselves so we'll just put some food in there so like imagine like a small little walked-in closet with seven kids with just like piles of food At one point in Dorothea's life, the dad actually tried to hang himself in front of all of his children. So there was a lot of trauma involved. Now, the dad passes away when Dorothea is eight. And then a year after that, the mom gets into a motorcycle accident and passes away. So it's just back to back to back trauma. But I think something was wrong with Dorothea because, like I said, she has a lot of different siblings and none of them else turned out to be serial killers right so it's like we can feel sympathy but it's not an excuse we can feel a lot of sympathy because she was a kid at the time and she started spending a lot of time in these various foster homes and she suffered from sexual abuse from these foster parents so then we've got another traumatic situation so finally she's taken in by these relatives in Fresno California and um, it just seems weird so this is when she starts developing this fascination with lying like she becomes a full on pathological liar and she starts lying about the strangest things she would tell people that she was born and raised in mexico which is like fine okay and then she would tell another person no, no no i was born in mexico but then i came to california and my parents abandoned me under a bridge and this like random family picked me up from under the bridge and now i'm living with them but that's a lie because this isn't a random family these are literally your relatives what is happening right now Mm-hmm. So then she would lie that she had 18 siblings, but four of them are already dead. So she only has 14 siblings now, but she used to have 18 siblings it would get worse later in life. So Dorothea later in life, she would go into these bars and she would, um, (laughs) it's the weirdest thing. She would go into these local bars and she would just like slam her hand down on the bar and be like, Oh man, I need a vodka. They'd give her vodka and they'd be like rough day at work. And she's like, yeah, they called me in for this emergency surgery on this like seven year old girl. Oh my God. I was, I was in the OR for like 12 hours. I need a shot she's not a doctor like i (laughs) don't i don't understand these lies they're so insane and she would do this all the time it got so bad that the local community members some of them just called her the doctor like they thought she was a retired doctor that was now running a boarding house so her first marriage happened when she was 16 years old and she got married to a 22 year old man F that man his name is Fred McFall and he was a soldier so they end up moving to Washington together and she just gets into the sex work she was already kind of doing sex work before she met him but it got worse. Once they met, not for the reason that you were thinking, which is the fact that, oh, yeah, maybe he's like pimping her out. Definitely taking advantage of her. Definitely grooming her. Right. But on top of that, he would encourage her in the weirdest way. He would kept saying, you know, the reason I love you, right, Dorothea? It's because you're so independent. You're like one of the most independent women I know because you are willing to do anything to have independence, such as sex work which is like a backhanded compliment if you're 18. But like when you're 16, it's like, what? That's like so rude. What is happening? That's creepy. That's Mm -hmm. creepy. I'm 16. This is illegal. I shouldn't be doing this. But like, why are you saying that? So they end up having two daughters together and they were both um, sent away to live with other people. One for adoption. Another one went with Dorothea's relatives and she ended up having like a miscarriage after that. And it was just like I said, 16 years old, trauma after trauma after trauma. Not an excuse, but just giving you the picture. So then Fred files for divorce, and she, too, starts lying about it again. She tells all of her friends he, like, died one of the most tragic deaths ever. Sometimes it would be in war. Sometimes, like, a car crash split him in two. Cut him in half, you know? Found him on the side of the road. Found a leg. Like, it was just really strange stuff. Like, just kept telling people different stories. Sometimes it's a little innocent heart attack. Sometimes he was murdered by Ted Bundy. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> I don't know if the Ted Bundy thing, but, like, you get it. It's just really, really strange lies. So, people were really sympathetic about this. I mean, this is crazy. How are you going to live, Dorothea? So, she starts doing more sex work and starts, you know, committing petty crime. Just pretty much stealing from stores, forging these things. T- checks and she was just really lazy at it. That's all I have to say. When she's 19 years old, she walks into this store and she forges the check, right? Uh-huh. And the cashier is like, mm, something about this feels weird. So she calls the police and she's like, okay, well, you, are you guys are going to come? Okay, so I have to stall. So she's like, okay. So she starts stalling Dorothea, like, oh, you should try this one on, right? Mm-hmm. Dorothea's catching on to this. So she runs out just leaves everything, runs out, hops on a bus. Now, the police happen to get there at the same time. So they see her running on the bus and they notice that that bus is headed in this direction. So they go to the local bus stop. She gets arrested and she does four months in prison. Now, during this four months, they do a psychiatric assessment. And it's just said that she had super low self-esteem, that the reason that she steals all these clothes and stuff and makeup is to make people like her. They also wrote in her report that they believe that she will be a repeat offender if she does not get rehabilitated. And in prison, her lies only got weirder. She said, I'm a lawyer. And the prisoners were like, oh, that's cool. Can you help me, like, appeal my case? And she's like, yeah, I have ties to the royal family. I actually dated someone in the royal family. I, um yeah, I'm in jail because... The Illuminati, like really weird stuff. Like she she claimed that she was an actor dating these actors and just do you get what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Just odd stuff. So she gets out and she decides, you know what? I'm going to violate the terms of my parole, move out of Washington and move to San Francisco where she continues her sex work. So her second marriage was to a guy by the name of Alex Johansson. She told him that she was half black and half Asian and Muslim which like none of those were true. Then she lies about not being a sex worker and her, you know, her husband is a fisherman. So he's gone a lot of the time. And eventually she decides, okay, I need to just open up a brothel. She becomes, you know, essentially a brothel owner and she doesn't take on clients anymore. So she rents out this space. She tells the landlord it's for a book club. Oh, these lies. They get weirder. She's like, yeah, it's for book club. Look at me. I'm like a cute little housewife. I'm doing book club. So he believes it, turns it into a brothel, and eventually the landlord's catching on. That That's not no book club. Like, let's be real, right? Like, why are you guys wearing this to book club? Why why are there suddenly so many men at this book club? It's just something's weird. So he calls the police. The police go undercover. And sure enough, straight up in this book club, you know, Dorothea is like, hey, you want a blowjob? So he's like, all right, this is a brothel. Let's arrest the shit out of everyone. So she gets arrested and she spends 90 days in prison. So after she's released, her husband gets her admitted into a psychiatric ward because he's like, you must be crazy to be doing something like this. And they say that she is a pathological liar with an unstable personality that requires antipsychotic medication. And they prescribed it to her. It's springtime. So it's that time. There's two sounds inside of this house that are consistent with spring. Me, sneezing because of pollen, but also my dogs licking their paws, biting on their legs because they have crazy allergies in the springtime. And the only thing that I have found that has been super helpful during this time is solid gold pet foods. Did you know that 80% of the immune system is influenced by your gut? Supporting the immune system through a proper diet and digestive health enables pets to better fight environmental allergies. Solid Gold is passionate about this. They are passionate about your pet's gut health because a healthy digestive system positively impacts the immune system and just overall wellness of your pets. Which, here's the cool thing about Solid Gold um, they have been here for over 45 years and they have revolutionized the holistic pet food category. They even have a recipe for any of your dog or cat's dietary needs, which includes healthy whole grain, grain free options, wet food supplements like sea meal. We have been adding sea meal into our dog food their skin and coat my dog has skin issues and the other one i mean didn't have like the softest coat but now it's silky smooth and they also have a hundred percent human grade bone broth which my dogs are obsessed with this and their whole nutritional platform is inspired by their founding belief that high quality food is the best way to impact our pets mind body and spirit solid gold foods is the way to do it and they're a little bit different because they like to cleanse the digestive system with whole superfoods balance with living probiotics and fuel your dog with omega-3 and six fatty acids so they support that gut health they nourish your pet so right now to save 30% off on select solid gold products go to solidgoldpet.com slash rotten that's solidgoldpet.com slash rotten to save 30% on select solid gold products remember solidgoldpet.com slash rotten now they get divorced And her third marriage was to Roberto Puente, 20 years younger than her. Really weird couple. People said that they did not get along. They didn't even have anything in common. So the belief was that he was using her for citizenship. And they just pretty much broke up almost immediately after the marriage. And they stayed married for years because neither of them officially filed for divorce. But they weren't in each other's lives, if that makes sense. And that is when she decides to take on a new job. No more sex work, she said. I'm going to be A little aide, like a caretaker. It's called like a nurse's aide, but technically she's not a nurse, right? So -hmm. she would go into these elderly people's houses and take care of their cleaning, make sure that they take their meds, give them these sponge baths, stuff like that. Now, she doesn't love the job. Dorothea does not like this job at all. But, you know, money is money. With that, she buys a house in Sacramento on F Street. That's three stories tall. you say F Street? It's literally called F Street.
0: Just letter F? Yeah. Huh, very cool.
1: Yeah. Very cool, right? Very interesting. Did not know that. And there's like tons of bedrooms and she sets up a boarding house. So the second floor, the top floor was all to herself. She's had this bedroom, this office. In this office, she hung up fake nursing diplomas. She's like doing the most. She had tons of like syringes, like cabinets and drawers full of like syringes and like nurse stuff but she didn't even know how to use it. She's not a nurse. So Mm -hmm. it's just weird. It's like all for show. And then the ground floor in the basement was where the tenants stay. So the ground floor had the kitchen and all of these rooms were single rooms. So they would have a TV and a bed in each room. And these are for like the high payers. These are much more expensive. You're completely alone. It also had um, in-unit bathrooms, but these weren't bathrooms that were attached to the room. Like someone had like installed a toilet into the room, like just like into the room. If that makes sense. Not like, oh, yeah, there's like a bathroom connected.
0: Oh, so they diy the. Yes, Yeah, so everyone little. gets
1: their own like little bathroom mm-hmm. inside of these rooms. So then in the basement, it was kind of like what you imagine in those scary hospital scenes where it was really dim, it was really dark, one big room, and she would just have these like single beds separated by curtains in one single room. So now this was for the low paying tenants, I guess. And the rules of the boarding house were very simple. The only rule is that you have to sign over all of your benefit checks to her to ensure that you would not forget to pay her or come up with some excuse. Because a lot of the people that she was housing, they had addictions, you know, so this was her saying, I'm just, this is my safety deposit. I will take the check, take your rent, take all the food because she feeds them, you know, Mm -hmm. take out all the utilities and then give you the rest and you can do whatever you want. So it kind of makes sense. It's not the most, oh my God, I don't believe this situation, right? Yeah. Now she was really shady with it, though. She didn't give them an itemized receipt. She never told them even how much rent was. Like nobody living there knew how much rent was. If they asked, she would say, "Oh, well, I mean, some of that's for food." Blah blah blah. blah. Like it was just strange. So she. But like, how
0: much are they? Like, let's say they're getting paid.
1: Like hundreds.
0: Like, does she take majority of it? Majority. Or, oh, okay. So she's like, okay, I'll leave you a little bit. Yeah.
1: Some of them complained. Some of them didn't because some of them kind of liked her. I mean, she does cook for them. She does seem to be nice. Randomly, she'll buy them like small gifts here and there. So it's just weird. I think that's why people have such a hard time with Dorothea. And I think I have a hard time with understanding Dorothea because she is a walking contradiction.
0: So she does actually take care of these people. Maybe oh, she,
1: not to the best ability, but she, it's uh-huh. not like she is abusing the shit out of them. It's not like your standard like elderly abuse center where they're just like beating up the elderly people and stealing all their money. Okay. It seems like she does try to take care of them to a certain extent. Okay. Like okay. She is really busy like cooking nonstop. Huh. It's weird. So then she starts making a lot of money and she likes it. I mean, she starts spending money on clothes, going to the bars all the time, paying for shots, buying pizzas to the bar. What a popular person. And the community loved her because this is a woman who's lived a full life. I mean, she's a former actress and a (laughs) surgeon. a surgeon this is crazy you know she had so many heart surgeries on little children that were successful i mean wow she she has connections with the royal family did you know that yeah it's crazy she has 14 siblings she was born and raised in mexico super cultured i mean it's this is a woman of experience and the community loved her so they started inviting her out all to these community events and she started giving back to the community she would buy local school kids who were really struggling just buy them backpacks food school supplies she would donate tons of money to like the police association and all these other charitable things she would donate money and Sarvin so was like this is just like the sweetest old lady she's got all this money from being a surgeon and an actress in movies that i've never seen before um but she must be an actress and now she's donating it in this boarding house she would constantly tell people that she lived such a privileged life and she just wanted to give back So people believed her because she's given all this money away. I mean, if she was just using these people for money, then she wouldn't give it away to charity, would she? Would she? She hires a groundskeeper by the name of Pedro Montalvo and gave him a room in the house, pretty much hired him because he was really attractive, much younger than her, and they just start dating, you know? She started taking him out on these lavish dinners. He thought that this was true love. They have so much in common. They're both from Mexico. She's not from Mexico. <laughs> and so he's just like, wow, I found the woman of my dreams. She's 45. He's like in his 20s or something when they get married. And it was just getting worse. I feel like immediately he felt strange about Dorothea. Like she's stealing checks. She's stealing jewelry. Just something strange. And she was cheating on Pedro. She was still going to these bars, robbing men at these bars. And so one month later, instead of divorcing her, he just like runs away. Just runs away. <sighs> the police get on her. Because they realized that sometimes they would arrest these men. And while they're sitting in prison, their checks were getting signed. And the police can see that. They're like, wait a minute. How are the I arrested them, and they have to sign off on their disability checks? But it's like getting signed off on. I'm so confused. They're sitting in prison right now. How are they? That doesn't make any sense. So they go to the address where these checks are being signed off on, and it was Dorothea signing these checks. She did this to about forty people, and that's that's illegal. You can't be signing these disability checks, right? So,
0: which she has forty people's checks checks coming coming in every
1: month. Yeah.
0: So they
1: freaking arrest her and they tell her, hey, you can't run a boarding house. Okay. And she's like, okay. So they do a psychiatric check on her and they diagnosed her with schizophrenia. And she was given five years probation. She was not put in prison, just five years probation. So during this five years would be a time of just inventing herself. Okay. She would go around meeting all these other men, stealing their money, and she started changing up her look. She decided, you know what? I like. the boarding house business, way more than robbing people at the bars. So she starts growing out all of her white hairs. She would dress older. She would walk older, get all the styles about like the people who are in their seventies. When in reality, she's like in her fifties. She really looked the part of this cute little grandma. So she starts renting a room with a family that lives on F street. So the same street. So she starts renting a room in that boarding house. And I mean, she just starts scamming around some more. She pretended to be a nurse, targeted these elderly sick people, and then she would go to their house, give them some medicine. They would pass out, wake up, and have all of their valuables taken. She loves stealing people's checkbooks and then forging the checkbooks with their fake signatures, trying to steal money into her account. While nannying, she gets this little side hustle. So these men at the bars, let's talk about them, right? Dorothea would start meeting people. One of them was Malcolm McKenzie. He is the one that kind of jump-started all of this crazy why she's on probation in the first place they meet at a bar they're having a great time he's like in his 70s she's in her 50s and he suggested hey why don't we go back to my place listen i i hope that when i'm in my 70s i'm like We're still porking, okay? Like, we're still doing the nasty in our 70s. So he's like, why don't we go back to my place? Do the nasty. And she's like, oh my god, that's so exciting. Yes, let's do it. So they get into a taxi, and on their way back to his apartment, he starts feeling strange. Like, this has never happened before. I mean, he's 70 years old. Is something going on? Is he about to die? We don't know. Like, he's freaking out. He's drunk before, but now he's feeling like his limbs are just out of control. He feels like jello. And finally, they make it into his apartment. Somehow, he's able to unlock the door, and he just collapses onto his couch but the weird thing he said is that he felt paralyzed but his mind was sharp he was conscious and that's when he starts watching her just calmly coldly walking through his apartment finds his small red suitcase opens it up in front of him and starts dumping all of his valuables in there and at the end she walked up to him and took off his rings dumped it into the suitcase locked it up and rolled out of there
0: what so
1: he wakes up the next morning and he vividly remembers all of this so he goes to the police and he, you know what's going on i saw all of this i think she drugged me the police arrest her and she just kept saying it's a gift it's a gift i don't know what you're talking about this was all a gift he gifted it to me you guys are crazy so they said all right well you you guys have to show up to court in a couple of months just show up to court and fight it out in court this is all we can do so now she's out waiting for her court date you would think that she's gonna lay it low right no so she had this best friend, the only friend really named Ruth and Ruth's husband was dying. So Dorothea was like, oh no, when your husband's dead, how are you going to support yourself? And Ruth is like, I know, I don't know. I'm freaking out. So Dorothea is like, well, we should start our business together. A catering business. Oh, it'll be so good. But I don't have money. Do you have money? You have $2,000 saved up. Why don't we open up a joint account for our business, right? And you put the money in there and we will get straight to work. Not only is this a great investment, you will get your money back and more. So they put that $2,000 into that little, you know, joint banking account. And then Ruth's husband passes away and she's super sad. So Dorothea offers her, why don't you move in with me in my room in this little, you know, house that I am renting in. She's like, okay. I mean, I guess that makes sense. Ruth's kids thought this was perfect. I mean, yeah, Dad's gone now. You can you can spend time with your best friend. Your, this is amazing, right? Mm-hmm. But slowly, her health starts declining. She starts acting really strange, just seems zoned out anytime the kids would come over or they would go out to lunch. I mean, what's going on with our mom? So they straight up asked Dorothea and she said, oh, God, she's been having these nervous breakdowns. And I took her to the local hospital and they keep giving her these tranquilizers. I mean, she's just she's so depressed about, you know, your dad's passing. I mean, it makes sense. So they thank her. They're like, wow, thank you so much for taking her to the hospital. And then a little while later, Dorothea calls the kids freaking out. She's like, you need to come over to the house right now. So they rush on over and Ruth, their mother, is just sitting there on the ground in a fetal position, staring at a wall. Can't talk to them. Can't move. Just staring at a wall. They're so confused by this, but but maybe they can get her some help. But that next morning, before they can even get her help, they get a call. Ruth is dead. So, Dorothea believed that Ruth took more medication than she should have because, you know, it was prescribed to her. She was either losing it mentally or she took her own life. It's so sad, but that is what it is. So, the autopsy was done on Ruth's body and it showed that she had a drug overdose of Tylenol and codeine. Now, these were never prescribed to her. So, this is strange. I mean, just all of it is strange. She didn't leave a note for the kids. She didn't even tell the kids. Just super weird. Everyone was super suspicious of Dorothea. They start investigating. The autopsy also showed that... That Ruth had pills in the back of her throat that hadn't dissolved yet. Which, I mean, you just take that much pills that you don't even finish swallowing and letting it dissolve later on. Like, that just seems really crazy. Mm -hmm. They also do some digging into that hospital that Dorothea allegedly took Ruth to because she's having these nervous breakdowns and they tranquilized her right Mm -hmm. turns out the hospital has no record of these visits
0: so the kids are suspicious of her yeah
1: and they keep telling the police i mean you gotta arrest this girl like she is she killed our mom and they tell the kids this is all circumstantial evidence there is no proof that she is the one that administered the medicine to her and we are ruling her death a suicide which is the biggest blow to these kids they will eventually get some sort of justice but Just insane. And the police were a little bit confused. You know, the ones that were waiting for her court date to happen. They were like, oh, well, she was being investigated briefly for her best friend's death. So this is all strange. And then they find out, wait a minute. We just heard from her friends that Dorothea bought a plane ticket to Mexico. She took out that $2,000 in that joint account, and now, now something weird is happening. Dorothea ends up at another friend's house, pretty much drugs her and steals all of her valuables, and she actually gets arrested while holding all of the valuables of her good friend Dorothy.
0: Dorothea stole from Dorothy?
1: Yeah, and she literally got arrested with all of her stuff like all of her IDs, her rings, like her cards, her cash. And she was like, It's what a is gift! Happening? So she was just going around stealing. I think Dorothea was trying to steal from more of her friends so that she had enough to go to Mexico. Like she would feel uh, good about, Oh, I have enough cash because she only had about $2,000 in cash. I see. So she gets sentenced to five years in prison, but she only spent three years. Now, in prison, her lies got even worse. So half the inmates knew her as this crazy surgeon who was being taken down by big pharma or something of that sort like something really crazy okay I don't know if it was Big Pharma, I don't know if it was other surgeons, like a doctor starvation moment. She was just like, all these men are out for me, you know? They just like can't handle a woman in this field. That was like the vibe. Then some people knew her as a lawyer. Some people said that she was always getting scouted by acting agencies, you know, dated so many A-list celebrities, dated royal family members, just all of that. And she started having pen pals during her prison sentence. One of them was a 77-year-old man by the name of Everson Gilman who lived in Oregon this is a really sad story so his wife passed away and he was looking for a new wife I don't know why he was writing to female prisoners but he was okay he was a little bit lonely started correspondence with female prisoners and she wasn't that into him until he wrote in a letter that he was on government pension so suddenly she's like wow you're really hot so she's released she's only 56 years old and the psychiatrist told her that she should never be allowed to tell, like take care of sick people. The psychiatrist straight up told her, told the courts, she cannot take care of younger, older, sick and needy, vulnerable people. She just cannot be trusted around the vulnerable population, point blank. And they were supposed to have more sessions, but she never really showed up for them. And no one ever really pursued that. So after her release, it gets worse. She gets picked up by Everson and he's moving with her. He's brought all of his stuff from Oregon. He said bye to his family that he's met the love of his life. She lives in California. She's gone. He's gone now. So they moved back into that family house where she used to nanny. Now at this point, the whole family had moved to a new house, and they're renting her the entire house. Side note: I do think that this family was in on it. I don't think that they were in on the murders, but I think that there was some later on some sort of agreement because a lot of these checks from disability were being signed off by some of you know the family members. It was weird. So it seemed like they knew something about it, well, or maybe were,
0: like, like a scheme. Maybe.
1: Yeah. So that's like the vibe that I'm getting allegedly don't sue me but that's the vibe everson he's living in this house in a new state where he doesn't know anyone and all of a sudden he stops mailing his family stops cuts off contact with them so his family in oregon they freak out his kids they're like oh my god i gotta call the sacramento police what's going on so the police in sacramento they do a wellness check knock knock we're looking for an everson and guess what he's there he's there he's super there just super alive just chilling and he gets super pissed off he's like oh this is why i cut off my kids like they're so annoying like they won't let me live my life they can't be happy for me that i found this young fine thing in california you know like let me live so he cuts off his family for good but dorothea being the sweet amazing person that she is she keeps writing to them she's like hey I know that he's a little bit upset right now, but I'll keep you guys in the loop on what's going on in our lives. So now they're like, oh, my God, Dorothea, you're amazing. Thank you. And she starts accepting borders again. So, I mean, around this time that she's accepting these borders, um, Everson's family, they get a letter that he's moving down south. He's done with Dorothea. She's heartbroken. He's moving out now. He says that he's going to update you guys eventually, but, you know, that is what it is. But he had been murdered. So the theory is either he had been slowly drugged or he had been drugged and then suffocated.
0: So when the kids got the letter, they were like, oh, it's fine.
1: Yeah, they were just like, I mean, this is so weird, but I guess, right? I mean, it just like made sense a little bit. Enough. Like it was, it's that weird It's the edge of like oh man if i call the cops and do this crazy thing again it's it's gonna make us look dumb it's gonna make him look dumb he's gonna be more mad at us but if i don't do anything it's like you know what i mean just like that really gray area so she drugs him she murders him and this time she does so this is before any of her like this is her second murder ruth had passed away in the hospital she has not buried anyone in any of the gardens yet and she has no idea what to do with everson's body so she drags him into a spare room of the house which later All of the reports called the death room because it smelled like death she brought all of the bodies in there until it was time to bury them it's really bad so she kept them in there for days um she didn't know what to do with the body so she starts getting desperate and she starts freaking out what do i do what do i do so she hires a handyman a random handyman and says hey i need you to build me a box a storage box well what is the box for for my books you know because i'm like such an educated person so i need to put my books in a box and i need you to make this storage box i'm thinking six feet by two feet mm, what's what's you know like a coffin but not it's obviously not a coffin it's for my books but kind of like a coffin shape you know kind of like a length and width like a coffin but like not a coffin so he's like um yeah okay I'll build you that box. So he starts building that box and then she comes up to him and she's like, hey, um, I have this random red pickup truck, you know, that was ever since. Do you want to buy it for like $800? It's in good condition. And he's like, $800? That's like an amazing deal. Yeah, I want to buy it. I don't have a car. So he buys this pickup truck from her for $800. Builds the storage box and she loves it. She's like, oh my God, I'm going to fill it with books. And do you have a lid for it? Oh, that's the lid. Okay, so I can just like nail it shut or something. Oh, this (laughs) is good. So he leaves and then she calls him back and she's like, hey, I put all my books in there. Can you help me move it to like my... um. My storage unit with that new truck. I know you have a truck now because I sold it to you. So can you help me? So he's like, "Uh, okay, sure. So he drives up to her house. They load that big box that had been nailed completely airtight shut into the truck. And they start driving to the storage unit. But before they get to the storage unit, she sees the Sacramento River and she says, hey, can you pull over? So they pull over and she says, you know, I'm thinking about it. And these books are not even expensive, you know, and my storage unit is expensive and I'm paying a lot for all the space. And I don't I don't think I can even make space for these books. I think I should just leave it on the side of the river. So he's like, um, I mean, I OK. So he helps her takes this coffin shaped wooden box <laughs> to the side of the river and they just leave it there.
0: And he went home. He said, wow, I helped the." Uh,
1: I helped a cute little grandma say, I love elderly people. I love seniors. <laughs> She's not even considered a senior. She, she
0: really said, had you know, no clue, huh?
1: He had no clue. Oh
0: my or goodness. at least
1: that I know of, allegedly, you know? <sighs> and so New Year's Day, a fisherman is trying to look for a place to fish on the Sacramento River and he sees a big wooden box and he's like, wow, that is oddly like a coffin shape. Seems weird at a riverbank. Wow. Really strange. So he walks towards it and he's like, what is that smell?" So he opens up the box and he sees the badly decomposed body of an elderly man. So bad that they can't even ID this person. He calls the cops in and they, they only know that he's an elderly man. But other than that, he's kept in the morgue as a John Doe. That's it. Wow. Meanwhile, she's still getting his pension checks every single month.
0: Yeah. So these pension checks don't stop until it was notified that they passed. Yeah. So technically, it can go on forever.
1: It seems like it. Wasn't there the story of that one woman who had her husband in the freezer? Get those pension checks. I feel like that happens a lot, (laughs) like more than I'd like to think it does. That is
0: really odd.
1: But then, like sometimes it's so sad because I don't even think there's anything sinister. Like I don't think that they murdered each other, but maybe they just like can't make money. I don't know. Not this one. This is straight up sick and twisted and murder. Dorothea's boarding house. Her tenants. Like I said, she has a variety of different tenants. Some of them were just elderly sick people who were not able to take their own medications on a daily basis. Like they would either forget, they would either not do it. So now the government is paying, you know, her place to house them from these checks. You know, she's getting a portion of it. So that was some of them. Those were her her patients that she liked, like the tenants that she liked. These are the ones that she she actually cared about them. She fed them. She gave them their medication every day. And then she had the other tenants that were on disability or that were on this or this support system. And they would pay her to live there. But they were just they were, you know, succumbing to their addictions they were drinking a lot they were you know doing other drugs one of these women was betty palmer who was 80 years old and she was a super active old lady like just flirted with her doctors nonstop, like that type of lady like the ones that people love you know and she's like oh stop hitting on me doctor (laughs) like i'm too young for you like that type of 80 year old lady like the fun ones she moved into the boarding house and she suddenly starts getting sick i mean she was there for a month and then suddenly she vanished so dorothea tells everyone oh her daughter picked her up went to live with her you know Betty you know how she is so she had taken Betty's body to the death room locked her in there and last time she's thinking that that was too dangerous you know I can't just I can't just commission these coffin like boxes from handyman all the time so what do I do maybe I can just bury her in the backyard but what if one day the body is dug up you know What if one day I move out, I think I'm free of all of this, and then someone digs up the body? A dog. You know, the next family is going to have a fucking golden retriever, going to go into the back and just dig, dig, dig. Oh, my God, a human body. Then she's going to be ID'd, and it's going to be linked to me. Okay, I have to get rid of all the identifying features. So she sawed off her hands, her feet, because your footprint works, your fingerprints, and then decapitated her, wrapped the rest of her remains in cloth in the middle of the night, went to her little fruit garden, and, you know, the tenants heard all of this. They heard the banging. They heard the digging. But they all thought to themselves, I mean, she's so busy during the day. And this woman loves gardening. So maybe this is the only time that she can garden in peace. And she buried the body. The heads, hand, and feet to this day have never been found. And Betty's daughter starts coming to the house. And this is when the tenants were like, wait a minute. And Betty's daughter, the one that Dorothea claimed that took Betty, is like, hey, uh, where's my mom? Mm-hmm. And so all of the tenants, they confront Dorothea and they're like, hey, Betty's daughter just stopped by and asked, where's her mom? And so she said, oh, okay, this is so embarrassing. You guys know I'm getting so old. I couldn't take care of Betty anymore. And I just felt so ashamed that I couldn't take care of her, even though I said that I would. So I put her in a care home. I'll tell the daughter. Don't worry. So the tenants just moved on. There was a man by the name of James Gallup, and she had met him at a bar one night and he was a struggling alcoholic. He was on government assistance and she wanted him to stay with her so that she could take care of him. She was like, you're, you're using all of your government assistance on alcohol. I I can, I can help you with this. I can help you get clean. Don't worry. My parents were alcoholics. I have a problem with alcohol. Sometimes I can help you. So he's thinking, you know What? Maybe, maybe this boarding house doesn't sound so bad. So he is about to move in, but she says on one condition. I have to be able to have all of your checks, sign them over to me, and then I will give you the rest of the money minus the boarding fee and the food and everything. And he's like, wait a minute. No, I'm not doing that. No, I'm not doing that. That sounds shady. And then he had a brain tumor. So he had to get surgery, brain surgery. So he's like, okay, I'm having all these health issues. Maybe this is the only way that, you know, someone will take care of me. So he moves in. He didn't sign over his checks. But when they got to the house, she was the only one with the key to the mailbox. So she would intercept all of his checks. Mm. So she's in control of making sure he takes his medication every day, right? But he starts feeling more sick after this brain surgery. Just
0: But what is she feeding them?
1: Oh, well, I'll tell you. Yeah, And he starts getting more sick. But I mean, how can you really say that's not the brain surgery? Brain surgery is intense. How are you supposed to know what the symptoms of that are? So he just kind of deals with it. And then one day he just like vanishes. The tenants are like, hey, where's that really sick guy that just had brain surgery that probably shouldn't be like traveling or shouldn't leave, should be bedridden for like, I don't know, months. Where'd he go? Oh, he just like packed up his stuff and left. I don't know. And then there was that smell again because she had taken him to the death room. This time, she didn't um, take away any of his like identifying features. Like She didn't you know, cut off the hands and feet. She just wrapped him in plastic and cloth and buried him in the garden. So now at this point, she starts freaking out because she realizes, oh my God, I'm an idiot. He just had brain surgery. He's going to have doctor's appointments that he needs to go to because brain surgery is not one of those things where you're like, all right, thanks, doc, and then you never see them again. So she calls the doctors and says, hey, um, I know this is going to sound crazy, but I just want to let you know that he moved out. Yeah, he just like didn't want to live here anymore. Also, he didn't like you guys. He found a new doctor.
0: No hard feelings.
1: Yeah, <laughs> no hard feelings, but he wanted me to tell you that you guys are shit. Like, it's just the doctor was like, no, that doesn't make any sense. Like, after brain surgery? So, they started thinking about, okay, what could this be? What could this be? But they didn't really get anywhere because, mm. I don't know, they were busy. So, what she was using, good question, right? So, there's this um sedative called... Dalman, i think um it's pretty much like this really intense sleeping aid it's a sedative that it stays in your system a really long time it is actually not prescribed that often at all from what i can tell i'm not really into like drugs but how or does prescription she have drugs. It? so you can get it you know she, she got it prescribed oh. she would actually convince all of her boarders get it she would tell them go to your doctor say exactly a b c and d and ask them for this because you've been on it before and it worked amazing it worked wonders for you eventually she stockpiled thousands of them because she would never use them and then when she had a victim she would slowly start using it on them and it was such an intense slowly working sedative that eventually they would just you know it would start attacking their organs They would start dying from it. Now, that's where it's kind of up in the air. Is this how they died? Or did she get to a place where they couldn't move and then she suffocated them? We don't really know. Right. So then the next victim was Vera Martin, who was 64 years old. And she had tons of health conditions. So Dorothea started getting really upset. See, it seems like with Dorothea, if you're slightly sick, she loves you. She can take care of you. Mm -hmm. Take your government checks, take care of you a little bit, and that's it. And you just sit in one of those rooms.
0: Maybe... if it requires too much of her time, yes,
1: yes. But if you're really sick, yeah, and you gotta like, she's gotta like help you to the bathroom. mm You're not worth the time. Does she give you up though? No, because then she would have to give up your government checks. So Vera Martin, within one week of going to this boarding house, she disappeared and she was murdered. Then we have Leona Carpenter, who's seventy-eight years old. Now she was one of Dorothea's favorites. Favorites. I mean, just absolutely a gem. Never questioned where the money was going, never had any questions, never any complaints, just lived by herself in one of those rooms, had her checks come in. Dorothea took c- control of everything, but then her health conditions started deteriorating. So then Dorothea killed her and buried her in the backyard. Then we have Benjamin Fink. Now, this one is um, kind of different from the rest. So he's 55 years old. He had been living there for over a year and he was an intense alcoholic, and they never really got along. Dorothy never really liked him now one night he gets super drunk and starts making a scene at the house like just yelling in the middle of the living room and she drags him to his room and tells the other tenants don't worry i'm gonna make him feel better drags him to the room and she was visibly angry the next day he's gone and they're like what happened nobody oh, questioned anything no and she just said well we, got, we had that really nasty fight last night and you know he left now this one it seemed like she suffocated him because there was no indication or suspicion that he was being drugged like Mm. all of the other ones it seems like all the other victims she was slowly drugging them with the sedative and then eventually they met their death but this one seemed like maybe she drugged him and then suffocated him or just straight up suffocated him and then sent to the death room which again is just becoming stinkier and stinkier the tenants did not care about missing tenants they cared about that what's that smell and she would straight up tell them it's the new fertilizer For my garden.
0: So the whole house probably smells like that.
1: Yeah, because it was carpeted and she would leave them in there for days. So there would be a lot of um, fluid that would leak into the carpet and even into the flooring underneath the carpet in the death room. And her backyard, I mean, this is Sacramento, California. She didn't have a Texas-sized backyard. At this point, it was jam-packed. It was like a graveyard. So then Dorothy Miller, 65 years old, the one with the ID or the pill bottles and the ID found in Dorothea's room the day that, you know, the police came, well, she disappeared. She was also a tenant, you know, there was just a lot. It seemed like Dorothy was one of the tenants that got suspicious about the government checks. And then, you know, Bert, like we were talking about in the beginning of the podcast, he disappeared. So that's leading you up to the Beginning of the story and that is when the public Start giving tips you know like I said the taxi Driver was like oh she's headed to Los Angeles You know all the digging continues the Social workers are freaking out they found Seven bodies in total and then You know Mexico's freaking out because they're like uh, We don't want her <laughs> Like, Get her out of here why is she Trying to come here and so they start collecting Evidence from her house they they found 300 separate items of evidence She had books on drugs Like a heavy duty book on prescription drugs what each one does the side effects of each like why do you have that ma'am you're not a nurse what's going on she had massive amounts of pill bottles they took pieces of the carpeting from the death room and they reached out to the government pension people and they got a list a master list of anyone who has ever sent their pension checks to this address and so from there, they went on a spree of contacting and tracking down each person so, because they don't have IDs for these seven bodies. They mm. need to know who these people even are yeah. to be able to even tie them to her. Yeah. So then they get a call from a local halfway house so a halfway house is kind of one of those well i think maybe there's different versions but this specific one was um when you're released from prison sometimes you go to a halfway house where you still have to check in at night but during the day maybe you can look for a job during the day you can go do your thing and then at night it's kind of like your transition point from being full-on free to like prison Mm -hmm. and um they said hey uh we know dorothea and we were the ones digging the holes in the garden." So now the press is like, what? The police is like, what? So she would ask parolees to come dig these holes in the garden and she would pay them. And she she was really nice. She was providing these people with work and she would constantly tell them, you know, the rest of society is shutting you guys out. But I won't dig these holes in my garden because I want to plant a lemon tree. But she would never plant a lemon tree. And one of the parolees went to the police and said, um, so Dorothy had asked me for a huge favor one time. And she asked me to call this person named Judy and pretend that I'm this guy's relative. I think his name is Bert, and I was supposed to say that I picked him up, but I didn't. I just felt bad for her, so I called. So they're like, oh my gosh. Now, I mean, this is international news. She's a fugitive serial killer, an old lady serial killer who hid bodies in her little rosebush garden. And now she's a freaking fugitive. And that is when all this news breaks out. The Everson family, you know, Everson's family, they, they hear about it in Oregon. His kids are like, wait a minute. This is this is the lady that was dating uh. our dad. What? So they call the police. They take down these notes. And, you know, the police are like, well, we haven't identified any of the bodies yet. Like, just give us a minute. But they kept hounding the police. So we'll get to that. This is all going to like come together. Now, you would think that Dorothy is going to lay low. She's going to be chilling. She's going to be hiding. She's going to be making, racing to Mexico. No, she started hanging out in L.A. and going to these bars. And she would sit there and she would talk to these men. And she would constantly ask, so do you get checks from the government? Are you on social security? Now, one of them, when he was asked that, his ears perked up because he had just recently remembered seeing something on the news. Now, he didn't (laughs) know if this was the same lady, but like, what's the coincidence, right? I mean, he didn't notice her by her look, like was, oh, that's the woman on the news, right? But was like, oh, that's weird. That's Uh a really odd question. And I think she was at a place of desperation, you know? So she's like really just not trying to be smooth and slick with it so he was like oh yeah well where are you staying oh the motel down the street oh yeah yeah maybe i can like visit you and he's like getting all this information out of her they don't hang out that night thankfully the next morning he calls the police they show up and the lapd arrests her
0: just like that just
1: like that and she gets taken back to sacramento they were able to slowly identify the rest of the bodies. They found Mr. Fink um, because he had uh, the uh, tattoos, and then Dorothy Miller, she was identified, Bert was identified, and then slowly the w- rest were working. Now, the only thing is like, okay, well, are these the only victims? So the Everson family, they keep hounding the police. Like, we know, we know that our dad is one of those victims, but we only found two males and they're accounted for, mm-hmm. you know, Mr. Fink and Bert. This doesn't make sense. Oh my God that elderly man in the box from the Sacramento River. That's weird. Mm. Let's try to do that. So finally, it was put to rest. It was verified to be the remains of Everson. And then Ruth's family start reaching out to the police like, hey, we told you guys we were the first one that told you guys that she's weird and that she's a murderer, but you ruled our mom's death, a suicide. So they finally reopened the case and she was um, considered one of the victims of Dorothea. So she went on trial for nine murders. She was offered a plea deal. But she wanted to go to trial. She was like, no, 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 I am innocent because nobody saw me burying the bodies. The cause of death isn't even determined. And all of this is just circumstantial evidence. Do you know how many people were in and out of that boarding house? Why do you think it's me that killed them? I'm not even the owner. I'm just renting the place.
0: Cashing the checks. <laughs>
1: and cashing the checks. And then she tried to argue, you know, if I did hide them. If I did, hypothetically. It's because, you know, they died of natural causes. They were all sick. And I was scared because I'm running this illegal boarding house. You know, I just did what I had to do. But all of them had the same sedative in their systems. And she had over a thousand pills stockpiled. So it just didn't look good for her. The jury deliberates for a few weeks. And it was a super messy verdict.
0: A few weeks?
1: Yeah, it was a while. This is a long one. I think it was like three to four weeks.
0: What?
1: Yeah, because one juror. Eleven were like, oh, yeah, she's guilty for sure on everything. Nine counts. Give her some more. A little sprinkle on the side. Dorothea Puente is guilty. But there was one juror who said, nope, I don't think so. Just kept holding out. So finally, the 12 jurors, they came to an agreement that she would be found guilty of um, first degree murder of Dorothy Miller and Benjamin Fink and second degree murder of Leon Leona Carpenter and the rest were deemed a mistrial because the the juror could not decide. Thankfully, I mean, with even just that, she was sentenced to life in prison without parole. Now, in prison, she has tons of pen pals. And in 2004, she wrote a book. It's called Cooking with a Serial Killer, Dorothea's favorite cooking recipes. Oh, no. Cooking with a Serial Killer. And then in March of 2011, she passed away of natural causes. And then, that same year, the murder house was, uh, well, you know, everyone calls it a murder house because anytime a murder happens in a house, you have to call it a murder house. It's like a thing, I guess. So it was purchased by Tom and Barbara, a couple who were out shopping. They were actually touring the house next door. And they were like, hey, what about this one? This one's on sale, no?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, but... <laughs> Do you guys know what happened there? Like, you really want to live here? And they're like, oh, we're from, like, out of town. So they explain the whole thing with D- Dorothea and all of that. And they're like, well, let's tour it. So they tour that house. And the couple is like, this home is beautiful. Now, here's the thing. The owner of this house is evil. The house didn't do it. And all of the remains are dug up. It's not like we're living with these remains. So let's buy the house. So they buy the house. And they start doing some strange things. Which, I mean, inside note, it's kind of like, I guess... If People are looking because they said that the neighbors were looking nonstop, like, "Oh my God, what couple bought this house like this is crazy, What kind of people would live here right mm-hmm. So they started doing these really strange things. They had a mannequin out front on the front porch that really resembled Dorothea, that they would dress up in a red coat with that red purse the day that she became a fugitive, mm-hmm. and sometimes um they would put a shovel in the mannequin's hand, they would have jokes on the house they would they had a sign. On the staircase that said thump 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 Like thumping the bodies down the stairs They had signs around the house That says do not park Across the driveway the ghosts like to get Out to terrorize you Another one said trespassers will be drugged and buried in the yard
0: Wait, so what's going on? They have a dark sense of humor? Yeah, it
1: seems like it. They had two two signs that were coming from the house. So, you know, they're saying like the house is saying it, right? And the first one, it was that crazy bitch that did it. Don't blame me, signed the house. And then another one at the very front that says, it was that awful, awful woman that did it. Don't blame me, signed the house. It's a little weird. Like, it's weird because I can't hate them. Okay, yeah. like the mannequin's really, wow, like the mannequin's a little out of pocket. Maybe not the mannequin, but like this little sign that's like it wasn't me. I thought
0: you were going to say that they, they turn it into to like uh, a tour. Yeah, I think that's worse. That's worse. But yeah, that's this seems like as long as the vi- victim's family are not offended. Yeah, this seems I mean. more
1: like, um, hey, please stop staring at our house. Uh, like i, I think that's kind of what they were going for maybe but uh, maybe it just didn't translate well because like if i'm looking at your house because it's dorothea's old house and then you put a mannequin of dorothea in the front like i'm gonna be looking a little bit harder we we'll to be like whoa <laughs> am i losing it is that dorothea what's going on and that is the story of dorothea puente
0: i think what's chilling is she's doing all of this in front of so many people yeah
1: And just getting away with it. And she's on probation. She's like drugging people nonstop. And I think what's worse is that this is literally the vulnerable population, the people that are getting government assistance or pensions or disability checks. And now you're just like, okay, I'm going to kill you because I want to go buy drinks at a bar and pretend I'm a heart surgeon. I don't even understand the motive. Because if you tell me motive is greed, it's hard to to think. Because, I mean, she really didn't get that much money out of it. I mean, she was getting a lot monthly, mm-hmm. collectively, for, mm-hmm. like, you know, stealing these checks. But murder?
0: Yeah. Not
1: that much. Yeah. To commit murder. Like, it wasn't even these life insurance policies that she was cashing in. Like, oh, 100K here, 100K there.
0: She Maybe she's she likes cash flow. Oh, God.
1: <laughs> she's one of those girl bosses that are like, oh, yeah, you need to have multiple streams of income.
0: That's dark.
1: Okay, that was out of pocket. I gotta go. I hope you guys enjoyed today's podcast. Somewhat mini sewed. And I'll see you guys on Wednesday for a Japanese case that I'm really excited about. That's really dark that I'm excited to share with you. And I'll see you guys Wednesday. Bye.